Luke chapter 6, I'm going to start in verse 43 and, and read to the end of the chapter in verse 49. Jesus is still teaching here. This is a continuation of this great sermon that we've called the Sermon on the Plain. He says, no good tree bears bad fruit. I just want to say that again, just because that, that sounds too easy. There's, there's great depth there. No good tree bears bad fruit. It says, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show you what he is like who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He's like a wise man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Three things I want to share with you this morning as Jesus kind of wraps up his sermon here, the sermon on the plain. And here's the first thing I want you to understand according to this text. Our actions and our attitudes reveal our heart and what we truly treasure. Okay? According to this text, according to what Jesus is saying, our actions and our attitudes towards others reveal our heart and, and it reveals what we truly treasure. So Jesus has been preaching this, this great sermon. Like I said, we've called it the Sermon on the, on the Plain. We think this is probably a, a different time than the Sermon on the Mount necessarily, but much similar stuff, though there's definitely some differences like the blessings and the woes. And, and to this point, guys, Jesus has basically said that there are two types of people, okay, and those two types of people are living in and living for two vastly different kingdoms, okay? Two types of people living in and living for two vastly different kingdoms, right? And, and we saw that in the blessings and the woes. I mean, if you read through the blessings and the woes, those are two completely different people and, and, that are described there. And, and then we move on and Jesus talks about who we love, right? Um, how we're supposed to love people. And again, two vastly different people. He says, listen, uh, anybody... Jesus says even, even evil people, even sinners, can love people that love them. Like, anybody can do that. That's not special. Anybody that is a part of the kingdom of the world can love somebody that loves them. And anybody that belongs to the kingdom here on earth can give to somebody when they've done a background check and they know that that person can pay them back. Anybody can do that. He says even sinners, a.k.a. even evil people can do that. He says, but you guys, like, you're not called to just be like evil folk. You're actually called to, to step up your game just a bit. And so I want you to love your enemies, not just your friends. He says, I, I want you to uh, do good to those that hurt you. Hello? I want you to do good to those that hurt you. I want you to bless those that curse you. This is how we know that you're living for a different kingdom, right? I want you to pray for those that mistreat you. 
Jesus is saying, listen, there's two totally different kind of people living in and living for different kingdoms. And then he continued on last week when he says, listen, right? He began to talk about our attitudes towards, towards others. And he says, listen, there's the people that, that, that judge and criticize and condemn everyone else. And then there's the people of the kingdom that have received grace and love and mercy and forgiveness. Therefore, they must bestow grace and love and mercy and forgiveness on others. And then he gets to our text today. And he basically says, listen, if, if you haven't got it, it's obvious. Like, this is the point Jesus is making. These kingdoms and these people, it's not hidden. It's not like a great mystery. It's not hard to figure it out. He says, these people of my kingdom are obviously different. They're definitely different. It's visible. You can see something noticeably different in them. They are people that do good. That's the difference. The people of the kingdom of God produce good. They produce good things. They produce good actions. They produce good attitudes toward others. And he says they do so out of the good that is stored up within their heart. And that phrase is huge here for Luke. Luke's the only one that uses this phrase, stored up. He's the only one. And you know what that means literally in the Greek? It means that they do good unto others because of the good that they have. This is it. Stored up means treasure. Treasure. They do good to others because of what they treasure in their heart. That's why they're different. That's why they're good compared, they they produce good fruit instead of bad fruit because they treasure different things. That's that's what makes them stand out. See, Jesus is saying contextually, I mean, the whole sermon, if we take it into context, that our actions and our attitudes towards others are a reflection of what we truly treasure in life. They're a reflection of it. If we treasure wealth in this world, we're going to live close-handed. We're going to be stingy. We're going to be greedy. We're going to live our lives looking out for number one while trying not to step in number two. That's who we're going to be. Okay? If we treasure fame and popularity, we're going to live our life constantly trying to please the masses, not caring about the people that aren't a part of the masses. Who cares about them? They're not popular anyway. They don't have power or influence anyway. Who cares about them? And we'll live a life where we care not about any minority anywhere. Because we're not living for them. We're living for the masses, for what's popular. If we treasure security and safety, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you, oh Christian, that lives in the United States of America. Isn't that what we pray for when we go on mission trips? Dear Lord Jesus, please keep us safe. And like Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to send you out amongst wolves. You could probably die. I mean, that's the biblical version of it. Like Jesus isn't always like, hey, I, Lord, I pray that you would protect them and they wouldn't nick their foot. Like Jesus isn't like that. He's like, hey, I pray when you die, you glorify God in it. <laughs> Anybody want to go on a mission trip? Right? That's just not popular today. 
Listen, I'm here to tell you, if we treasure safety and security, that's how we're going to live our lives. Everything we do is going to be about protecting ourselves. It's going to be about protecting our home. It's going to be about protecting our wealth. It's going to be about protecting our kids. It's, it's all about protection. Therefore, we will do whatever it takes in order to be safe and secure. Which means we'll never put ourselves out there and love the way that God has loved us because, let's face it, we could get injured doing that. You see, our attitudes and our actions are a reflection of what we treasure in our hearts. What we treasure directs how we view the world. What we treasure directs how we see others. What we treasure directs the choices that we make. And if we treasure the wrong things, Jesus says the outcome is bad. Kakas. If anybody's changed a diaper lately, you know what that word means. He says it's evident. If you treasure the wrong things, you get kakas. But if we treasure the right things, namely, if we treasure Christ, if we treasure the forgiveness that we received at the cross, if we treasure the grace of God that he has has shed upon us who are the worst of sinners, then the outcome, our actions, our attitude, will be gracious and loving, right? How can they not be? Then we will love. So I, I want to take you back a couple weeks, and, and I've, I've referenced it twice already, but it's verse 27 um, and 28. Jesus is speaking. He says, but I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you. And I just want to ask you a question based on just those two verses. <laughs> what kind of person does that? Like, did anybody else ever read the Bible and want to go, ah, Jesus, really? Like, really? That's, that's, what, that's your answer there? <laughs> I'm, I'm surrounded by people that hate me. I feel like, I feel like uh, the, the, in, uh, let's face it, we're Americans. I feel like this nation that was founded upon your principles is now persecuting me, and you want me to love everybody. That's the answer. You sure you don't want me to vote them out of office? He says, I want you to love the people that hurt you. I want you to love the people that betray you. I want you to love, I want you to love, I want you to love. What kind of person can do this? What kind of person can truly love their enemies? I'm just going to be the only sinner in the house. I struggle with that, right? Because my enemies, the people that don't like me, I want to wave at them without using all of my fingers. That's who I am, right? The guy that cuts me off in traffic, like, I don't want to say, have a lovely day. That's not what I'm thinking at that moment, you know? And then, because he's such an awesome driver, because I stay in the same lane, and he's like, cuts in front of me, and then he needs over again. I don't, I don't normally and naturally want to slow down and go, oh, please, you wonderful driver, cut me off again. God bless you. I don't naturally want to do that. I naturally want to wave and honk and embarrass my family. I'm more controlled than you think. What kind of person is capable of this kind of love? And here's the answer. It's the only answer. The only person that is capable of loving somebody like this is the person that truly treasures Christ. 
There is no way to love an enemy and to bless those that curse you and, and, and to pray for those that hurt you. You can't do that on your own. The only way to do that is to treasure Jesus above everything else in life. See, if you treasure the salvation that you have in Christ, it changes the way you treat others because you realize you once were that wretch. And in the midst of being that wretch, Jesus died for you. Therefore, it changes the way you think about others who are still stuck in their sin. It's the only way. Our attitudes and our actions reveal our heart and what we truly treasure. And this is what I'm going to say to you, not trying to offend you. I just, just want to speak some truth. I'm loving you right now. If we're still struggling with the things that Jesus has mentioned in this sermon, if we're struggling with loving people that don't always agree with us, if we're struggling with judging others and condemning others, if we, we are not naturally extenders of grace, then it shows us that we might be treasuring the wrong things. We might be treasuring the wrong things. If, 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 if these things don't describe us, we may have placed our treasure in the wrong place, okay? So we've got to start there. We've got to start there. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Again, it's real popular. I get lots of amens through this sermon. It's awesome. Chirp, chirp, chirp. Number two. Our mouths reveal more about us than we think. Our mouths reveal more about us than we think. I'm in verse 45 now, the tail end of verse 45 here in Luke 6. And Jesus says, For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And guys, what that means is that what comes out of our mouth actually comes from a deep-seated belief or thought that is in our heart. Just let that set in for a second. Maybe you've heard the phrase, there is a grain of truth in every joke. What that means is if we uh, are prone to telling jokes that are racist or sexist or derogatory, that we do so whether we like to admit it, because there is some amount of those things in our own heart. And guys, I love you, but that's not up for debate. Don't come down at the end of the service and argue with me. Pastor, I'm not a racist. I'm not. I'm just, I'm just not. I'm not, I'm not chauvinist. I just like to tell a joke once in a while. Because it's not me you're arguing with. You're actually arguing with Jesus. He's the one that said it. Jesus said, from the overflow of your heart, your mouth speaks. That's where stuff comes from. It doesn't come from your mouth. It didn't originate there. It doesn't come from your mind, even though you think you're brilliant. It comes from the depths of your heart where you have allowed things that are not of God to sink in and to take root. And that's where we speak from. This is why Solomon says, above all else, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of your life. So it is from our heart that that our life is directed. It's from our heart that our mouth speaks. Our, Our mouth tells us more about ourselves than we ever wanted to know. It tells us what we truly treasure. Jesus says what comes out of your mouth is a reflection of your heart. That's the truth of God's word. So listen to me. Again, I'm loving you. Loving you. I'm loving me. So if you find yourself saying unloving things about people because of a presidential election, if you find yourself making derogatory comments about our current president, that have to do with the color of his skin. If 
you talk about immigration and you use words and phrases like those people as if somehow anyone that God has created is a second-class citizen. If you refer to uh, Muslims using derogatory or or inflammatory comments uh, uh, that that reference some uh, form of clothing that they wear, then my friend, I tell you in love, you have a heart problem. Because your mouth doesn't say those things on its own. It is from the overflow of our hearts that our mouth speaks. And that means that there is a sliver of that stuff deep within us that we've got to get out. That we've got to get out. So, so here it is. Um, I, I've shared with you guys when I first came, I'm not political. I'm not here to tell you uh, who to vote for. This is as political as you will ever hear me be uh, because everybody and their brother and sister has asked me in the last few weeks, well, what do you think about the primary? So here you go. This is as political as you'll ever hear me be. Won't have to do with any single candidate. Ready? As political as we get. What I'm going to tell you, spiritual advice for politics. Ready? <laughs> spiritual advice for politics. What I'm going to tell you is that our, our mouths reveal more about us than we think. So I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you to listen carefully. I'm going to tell you also this. Don't lie to yourself. I've, too, I've met too many Christians that when it comes to politics and they just decide they're going to lie to themselves. Oh, that's not really what my heart says. No, that's what your heart says. It's what you treasure. Don't lie to yourself. Stop it. Okay? Our attitudes and our actions show us what we treasure. Our mouth, what we speak, what we say, what we post. Okay? It reveals to us what's going on in our heart. So let's stop lying to ourselves. And so here's what I'm going to say to you. When, when you go to vote, because that's an action, it's going to reveal your heart. What you need to do is you need to pray, of course. And, 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 and what I'm, I'm just going to challenge you to do is listen to what the candidates say. Actually listen. Not to what they say when they're on a teleprompter, because that's cheating. But listen to what they say when they're not on script. Just listen to the words that come out of their mouth because the things that come out of their mouth reveal who they really are as a person better than any other indicator. And so if the candidate that, that, that you happen to support is, is constantly lying or, or they're fake or if they're phony, if, if they make feminist comments or socialist comments, if, if they say something that's sexist or chauvinistic or rude or racist, you hear me, That's who you're voting for because that's who that person is. That's a reflection of their heart. That's a reflection of of what you're going to get. It it just is. And so uh, I'll just say this. Because the words that come out of our mouth in those moments are the best indicator of who we really are, because from the overflow of our hearts, our mouth speaks, our, our actions and attitudes towards others, including what we say, reveal who we really are because of that, because those things show what we really treasure. This is what I'm going to say to you, because voting is important. Voting is an act. It's an action on our behalf. And when you go vote, here's, here's, here's the spiritual depth of it. When you go vote, it's going to be a reflection of what you treasure. It is. And so I'm just going to ask you as a Christian, what do you treasure most? Do you care about winning? Because that's what I'm hearing from a lot of evangelicals. I'm just, I'm going to do whatever it takes to win. At what cost? Can I just throw that? I'm, I'm not telling you who to vote for. I'm not telling you who not to vote for. But I'm just going to say this to you as Christians. This should like be heavy. Ready? Here it is. Jesus already won. <laughs> Jesus is won. It's over. 
This is junk. This is ridiculous. Choosing who will reign over us. Are you kidding me? There's only one that takes that place and his name is Jesus and he's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that has to reign supreme for me. But somebody says, but pastor, I really want my party to win. I just say to you again, in love, at what cost, okay? So that's my only advice I can give you. Like, I'm not gonna tell you who to vote for, but I am gonna tell you that listen to the candidates, listen to what comes out of their mouth. That is the best reflection of who the person is. And then think about what you treasure most and vote accordingly, okay? It's as political as I'll get, all right? Last thing I want to share with you. Another fun one. You guys are loving church today. I mean, just for the sake of the pastor's benefit, somebody could say amen every once in a while. It's time-consuming. It's costly, and it is difficult to do what Jesus tells us to. But it is well worth it. It is time-consuming, it is costly, and it is difficult to do what Jesus tells us to, but it is well worth it. The words found here in 46 through 49 are very similar to the ones that we find in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount. Just really one major difference, right? In Matthew, it seems the emphasis is that the wise and the foolish guy, they choose different pieces of property, right? And that's how Matthew kind of presents it. Well, the, well, well, the wise builder, he goes and he puts his house up on the rock. The foolish guy, he builds his house on the sand. It's like two different locations. Luke says, nope, it's not about location. It's about the work that the man is willing to do in order to put the words of God into practice in his life. He says, that's what it's about. So there's, there's, there's the same location and there's two guys. And one guy is foolish and he just wants a house. And so he goes ahead and just builds it right where it is. But then there's the other guy who actually hears the words that Jesus speaks and he does the work that is necessary. He digs down deep. Luke's the only guy that uses that phrase. He works. He digs down deep until he hits rock. After he hits rock, he then lays a foundation. The other guy doesn't even lay a foundation, not even on the sand, not even on the surface. But this guy takes the time. He digs down deep. He gets to the rock and then he lays a firm foundation and then he builds his house. And Jesus says, listen, No storm on earth can shake that house. That guy's a wise man because he actually heard my words and he took the time to do the work to do what I said. But friends, that's not easy. That's not easy. That is difficult. That is is costly. Because hear me, I I need you to see this. Jesus' words are some, I would say, they are the most controversial things ever spoken. Right? I mean, I mean, let's face it, Jesus isn't, I mean, he, he is counter-cultural, he is counter-intuitive. This doesn't seem right to me. Like, I don't, I don't read Love Your Enemies and think, yeah, that, yeah, it's awesome. It's not like you're at a ball game and the crowd's super excited, a.k.a. how church has been the last three weeks. We preach through the words of Jesus and people are like, oh, gosh, that stunk. Mm-hmm. I know it's awesome, right, to come to church and feel like you got kicked in the gut, right? Woo! Thank you, Lord! Oh! Toughen up. Not a lot of amens in this stuff, right? Because it flies against everything that we've been taught. And that's the point. 
Man, God's the world, it, 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 it flies in the face of God. It flies in the face of Jesus. It's all about rebellion. It's all about self. It's all about you. It's all about looking out for number one. And that's the world we were raised in. We were born into this place. And then comes the word of God. And the word of God says, that's not how you should live. Let me tell you how to live. And you go, how do I get through all the junk in my heart and get to what God says is important? And here's the answer. You dig. You go into your life and you look at every wrong thought and you look at every wrong motive and you look at every wrong thing you've ever believed and the word of God has to, you've got to dig deep down and find every lie that you've bought into until you get to this basis. Here's the foundation, ready? This is the, I'm freaking you out. Here's the actual foundation. God loves you. That's the foundation. That is the rock that God loves sinners like us. In the midst of our rebellion, in the midst of our hatred of him, God loved us in Christ Jesus. And when you start there, it changes everything. Because now you have a home that's welcoming to other people that have been like you and that are living in rebellion. Now you have arms that are open wide because you understand the struggle, because you know the lies, because you had to fight through them to get to the rock. And you did the work that was required. And when you do the work that is required and you receive the grace of God, It changes you forever. And you can't look at somebody and judge them anymore. And you can't look at them and say they're too far gone because God knew you and you felt too far gone and yet he saved you. And so now I can love God because I found the foundation of life which is God's love. That's where everything began. And only on that foundation, only on that foundation can I be wise. Only on that foundation can I truly build life. We've got to start here. We've got to start here. This is the only real way to live. But I'm going to tell you something about this kind of work. Ready? When you do that work, and you figure out that your heart is that messed up, and that you are that wayward, and that God is that good, it will ruin you. It will ruin all of your vanity. It will ruin all of your pride. It will destroy every ounce of self-sufficiency you have. And that's why many people came to hear Jesus and very few followed him. The same is true today, friends. Many people want to hear God's word. Very few want to take it and then do the deep digging to let it take root. If we don't, guys, we're ruined. If we don't, I'm here to tell you the world's going to swallow us up. We have a very real enemy that's attacking us. He's, he's aiming at our marriages. He's aiming at our kids. So our foundation has to be in the right place. So what do we do? I, I'm going to let you out of church, I promise. Uh, what do we do with something like this? Speaking of application, uh, here's the first. I want to challenge you to follow your attitudes and your actions. Follow your actions and your attitudes until you find your treasure. Follow your actions and your attitudes until you find your treasure, okay? Hear me, your actions and attitudes are a road map and they will lead you to the things in life that you treasure. Just follow them. What are you, what are you doing? How do you feel about other people? Just, just think, be honest. Like you can't lie to yourself. Honestly, like how do you feel about other people? How, how, what, what are you living for? If you follow those things, they are gonna show you exactly what you treasure. And you say, pastor, I don't wanna do that because I'm afraid. What if I get to the end and I'm treasuring the wrong things? 
What if I get to the end and I'm treasuring safety? What if I get to the end and I'm, I'm treasuring fame? What if I get to the end and I'm treasuring wealth? Like, what do I do when I get there? Well, that's the good news is you did the work to figure out the lie you were buying into. Now, when you follow your actions and your attitudes and you end up in the wrong place, you know what you do? You repent. You say, God, I'm sorry. I, I don't know even where it happened. But I got so far off course. And I'm, I'm, I'm out over here. I feel like I'm in Egypt, man. This is not the promised land that I know you talked about. Lord, would you lead me home? Just do that, right? So we start there. Here's the second one. This is fun. This is where God um, kicked me this week. I do say kick. Like, man, he's, he's like a strong. Like, I know right hand, that's the right hand of, of authority and the right hand of blessing. I think he's got a pretty strong right foot, too. Uh, I'm still feeling it. Uh, I want, I want to challenge you to ask others to help you hear your heart. Okay? So here it is. From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I'm, I'm going to give you a very real illustration. God, just, here we go. Because if you don't know that I struggle, then we're, we're all lost and in trouble. You guys come listen to me. I'm, I'm, I'm hurting. Uh, so evidently, with my mouth, because I have been thinking and fearing and treasuring some things that don't matter. Uh, with my mouth, I've been saying some things to my wife. Uh, and, and what I thought was joking. Uh, but I, I've, been, I've been, you know, our kids are getting older. I'm starting to think about college. I'm starting to think about finances. How are we going to do that? How is that going to work? And so on a regular basis, anytime we got a big bill in, or we talked about the kids and going to college, I would, I would, I would joke and say, man, you're going to have to get a job. And, and I, I truly, like, I, I thought I truly meant that as a joke, but the truth is down deep in my heart because I, I, was, I, was, I was treasuring the wrong stuff. I was honestly really worried about finances, and I serve a God that provides all things. And because of it, I made my wife feel insignificant, and I injured her heart. And it took, like, multiple people who wouldn't come to me. By the way, would you please come to me? Jiminy Christmas, if I'm doing something wrong, I need to know because I'm an idiot. I promise you, I don't see it. It's like, I'm like, we've been married 17 years. If you don't tell me, you, know, you should know by now. Everybody's love Raymond episode there. You guys can follow that one away. Go look for that one. It's hilarious. Uh, you don't know by now. I'm not going to catch all. But I had to apologize and I had to share my heart and I had to say, listen, that's, that's not true. That's a lie from the enemy and that's not true. And that is not my desire for you. And that's not my desire for us. But people had to hear what was coming out of my mouth. And that was a revelation of what really had, had seeded its way in my heart. I have to repent of that. So here's what I'm saying. Church, don't just do this voluntarily for everybody else. That's not the goal. If somebody comes to you and says, listen, um, my friend, you, everybody has two or three really close friends, right? So you go to those close friends and you say, hey, um, I think I might have a heart problem. You're going to con- get their attention right there. Oh my gosh, are you Okay. You're like, no, it's, it's actually not a physical heart problem. And they go, oh, well, good. Uh, no, it's worse. I think I have a spiritual heart problem. I need you to listen. Would you help me? Would you just listen to the things I say over the next month or so? And if anything doesn't sound like Jesus, would you just lovingly reveal it to me? Because I want my heart to be right. I want to treasure the right things. You need to find some people that will do this for you. It'll change your life. It'll change your life. It absolutely will. And here's the last thing I want to challenge you to do, okay? Do the work. 
It is hard work. Now, I know we are saved by grace. I get that. We are, right? But as, as evidence of the grace that we've received in God, we're only saved by grace. But if we have been saved, okay, we're going to want to be like Jesus. It's like a result. And, 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 and this want and desire, it's not a requirement of salvation. It's an evidence of salvation. I want to take the words of God and I want to apply them in my life. I want to be like Jesus more than anything else. And it means that you've got to do the work to take the Bible and to apply it in your life. Because you can show up on Sunday and take great notes and go home and do nothing. That's not the goal. That's not God's goal for you. God's goal for you is when, when you're reading the Bible and he reveals something to you is to take that something and to apply it. And to do that, most of the time, you're going to have to dig deep and do the work. And I know it's tough. And I know it's not fun. I know it's not awesome to feel like you're a sinner and, and that you're, you're failing at life. But remember, you're finished even though you don't feel that way. And so we apply. We take the things of God and we apply. One of my favorite verses, 1 Chronicles 28, 20. Uh, God gave me that verse when I came to this church. Uh, David is, is speaking to his son Solomon. David doesn't get to build the temple. Solomon's going to build the temple. And he looks at Solomon. And he says, like, like, Solomon's going, whoa, dad, this is huge. Like, dad, this is a massive project, dad. Like, are you, like, I, I, know, I know I've got some wisdom, but come on. And his dad looks at him and he says, son, do not be afraid. He says, be strong and courageous and do the work. Be strong and courageous and do the work work. Friends, I love you. It's not enough to hear the word of the Lord. We've got to do the work to apply it. Be strong and courageous and do the work. You are not alone. The Lord is with you. The call is the same. Do the work. Would you guys pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word, which is sufficient at all times. I pray that you would reveal unto us uh, anything that's not of you in our lives, and that we would um, be willing to do the work, to make the changes, to be the kind of people that you intend us to be. God, we ask that in your holy and precious name. Amen. Amen. Uh, just going to uh, ask you to do this one thing. So this is uh, the 11 o'clock service is that time. People ask all the time, well, like, when do, if I wanted to join the church, how do I do that? Or when do I do that? This is the time in a moment. We're going to have just a time that we call it invitation. It's really a time of reflection on what God has spoken. And kind of what we're going to ask is that you would pray a simple prayer. You can pray that prayer where you sit. You can pray that prayer down here. Uh, if you want somebody to come pray that prayer with you, I'm going to be available. Uh, but it's, it's just a very simple prayer. Um, it's kind of the gut level prayers that David prays in Psalms. Have you ever read David's prayers in Psalms? Like that dude, he gets it. I, I feel like I, I can't pray any, like, you know, I mean, I look at my prayers. I'm like, God, help me with such and such. And David is like, God, search me. Like, like, know everything about me. See if there's any hidden way in me, right? You know, and I'm like, oh, Lord, please help us have a good day and help us not fight. And David is like, I'm surrounded by enemies, and yet you are my strong tower, my refuge and my strength. And I'm like, gosh, David, you're killing me. Lord, I'm afraid about tomorrow. And David's like, God, even if I'm gone tomorrow, I live for your glory. And I'm like, oh. So we're going to pray a David prayer this morning. One of those courageous Actually, man and woman of God's own heart kind of prayer. Ready? Super simple. Really hard to pray. God, how are you speaking to me? God, how are you speaking to me? God, my actions, my attitudes, are, 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 am, I, am I treasuring wrong things? My, my mouth, what's it showing? What's it showing? 
God, help me, right? Just, just, God, how are you? Just pray that prayer. God's going to honor it right now. Just pray that prayer. If you need to come down here and pray that prayer, you can pray that prayer here. God, how are you speaking to me? Just pray that right now. Let's let God answer that. Let's let God answer that. You need somebody to pray with you? I'll be right here. Just pray that. It's a David-like prayer. It's a spiritual giant kind of prayer. God, how are you speaking to me?